Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Film Haven Reviews. I'm your host Sawyer as always and today we are sadly saying goodbye to the holiday season, the holiday season, the Halloween season, which is my favorite holiday, by talking about our last Nosferati theme movie, which is the 2007 movie 30 Days of Night. And what a perfect movie to end on because I just absolutely love this film. Uh, it was kind of awesome when it came out. I remember I watched it when it first came out a few times maybe even, and I just really enjoyed it. But then I just never picked it up again for probably almost 20 years. Yeah, because it came out in 2007. So it's been a long time. But I got to say, I watched it recently with Allie, my girlfriend, and man, it just it holds up. In my opinion, it holds up. It's almost even better in retrospect because it was just like a cool movie at the time. And now, I guess, with the next 15 years of cinema passing it, um, vampire movies and just horror movies in general, I feel like this movie has its own vibe and its own unique place within this genre of horror action thriller. That's another thing, too, is it's kind of an action movie. There's a lot of um, action sequences. Not a lot, but there's a few. Then um, there's definitely enough for you to say that this is an action horror movie but it's also a thriller so you don't see a lot of horror action thrillers it's usually like horror mystery thriller or straight up horror action or horror comedy action there's just a lot of different versions but you don't see a movie like this where um there's a lot of like intense action sequences mixed in with genuine thrilling horror um it's not i mean depending on who you are it may not be as scary as Maybe it was at the time, but there are a few scenes that are, I would say, still pretty chilling, uh, especially considering that these vampires in this movie are very much more of the monstrous kind. They look kind of human, but they look off too, and their behavior is a lot more aggressive in a way that makes them seem more monstrous or more predatory versus the sit back and um, seduce and once again, as I'll say for the millionth time and probably the last time, the Bella Lugosi type, that kind of suave vampire. This is just, this is vampires unleashed in a way. And that's due to the premise. So let's get into it. What a great segue, Sawyer. Okay. So the story is pretty simple, uh, but really cool. Very unique premise. Basically, you know, if you know anything about Alaska or the just the Northern Hemisphere in general, like the very high north, is that there is a period of time when there are 30 days of day where the night never sets, and then there's a period of time where there are, title alert, 30 days of night, and that is when the sun never never rises. It's always dark for 30 days. And I don't know how no one thought of this before, but what a great place for vampires to want to come and attack a village because... They can literally not have to deal with their one thing that is probably the most destructive to their existence, and that is the sun. So the story takes place in this small town in Alaska. I wish I could remember the name, and I'm sorry that I don't. But it's like it's small, but at the same time, like it's it's pretty it's it's pretty big. I mean, you could definitely tell it's a seasonal town. It is definitely maybe even for Alaska, especially in that area, it would be considered a city. There are bars and diners. There's a police department and 
Um, there's a refinery and all kinds of, you know, it's a seasonal place because they, there is kind of some blue collar industrial stuff that needs, that can be done over there. And so, but during this 30 days of night period, it seems like a, a lot of people head out for the season. They're like, I don't want to be here. And then like the real hard people, the people that are like lifers in this town, they kind of bunker down and get ready for this long period of time. Um, I mean, even, even like booze and stuff like that, like alcohol is outlawed because of this, because it's so, um, such a hard time to get through 30 days of nighttime. I mean, that's a very depressing thing. If you think about it uh, right now, we just had daylight savings time and I just looked today and the sunset is going to be at 4:47 PM. That's depressing enough as it is. And I know it's depressing most of the people that I know. Um, so think about that, but within 30 days of just nothing but nighttime that is hard to deal with but for the core of this town they have been dealing with it probably for a very long time and so they've decided to stick with it meanwhile you've got these old vampires at least some of them they're very ancient because they're speaking this old tongue this language that is obviously so archaic that it's hard to even compare it with any kind of modern root uh, which is cool. I love that idea that these this troop or this family of vampires has been um, roaming around for that long, for ages. You know, that's a, that's a really cool idea. And so, yeah, so they have decided to, like the beginning of the movie, the first like 15, maybe even 20 minutes is um, introducing the characters within the village. And you've got like Josh Hartnett, who is basically the sheriff. Like he's the he's the guy in charge of the law enforcement of this local area. Then you got Melissa George, uh, who is in was the main character of Triangle, a recent review that I did. I say recent; it was a while ago. But anyway, and she's like the estranged ex-wife, or they're separated. They're gonna get a divorce, and that's part of kind of the dramatic part, like a little bit of a mystery in the sense that you're like, what's the deal? Why aren't they together anymore? And like the whole town kind of loves them together as a couple, but they're not talking about what it is that is breaking them up. And so there's a, I think they did that well. Um, because on top of the horror aspect, you're also kind of wondering what's going on with these two people. So I thought that was good. Uh, but yeah, you got those two people, Melissa George is trying to get out of Dodge, but she keeps things keep happening to keep her in town. And now she's got to deal with Josh Hartnett and having to have the hard conversations. And then when the stuff hits the fan, now they've kind of have to put their emotional issues aside so that they can just survive. Um, anyway, so then, it, you know, it kind of shows the whole town. There's several characters throughout um, that kind of come back. And it, at the same time, they're also showing that the vampires are sabotaging the town. They're kind of doing this and that to make sure that there are no dogs to alert anyone, that the electricity goes out, that uh, the satellite phones are dead, like all these little things. I really like that, too, because I, we, me and Allie had just watched uh, the movie The Crazies. And the crazies kind of had a similar vibe where you're like, why is the cell phone service out? What's going on? In that one, it's the military that's quarantining an entire population. Um, but in this one, it's vampires that are setting it up. Um, those two movies are actually kind of weirdly similar in a lot of ways, especially since the small town sheriff is the main character. Anyway, it's just a really cool idea to utilize an introduction to most of the characters in the movie while also introducing the premise at the same time and creating mystery. I mean, it's pretty thinly veiled. You kind of understand that like the movie's a vampire movie. So if something's going wrong, it's going to be the vampires, but it does create this kind of mystery. They're finding like a body and they're like, this is, 
this couldn't have been killed by a human. This is weird. And all these satellite phones are burnt. And like, it just kind of, you can see the character's wheels turning. And you can imagine in real life, if you were to be in charge of the protection of a small town that is really remote, that when you get your satellite on your Wi-Fi, you know, your internet cut off, then you get pretty spooked because you're like, we really kind of need this. But of course, their minds go to practical means. They're not thinking, oh, there's probably vampires out here. So they're trying to figure out what's going on, investigating. Um, meanwhile, everyone, this is also the day where everyone's trying to get out of Dodge. So there's this that kind of like exodus happening and there's a scene that shows that. And in that scene, I just wanted to stop because it's just a great shot, overhead shot of the whole town. And it's got this just like dark blue um, with the gold. With, I was just talking about a little bit of that in uh, the Voyage of the Demeter, but that dark blue with the yellow lights throughout the town that are kind of juxtaposing that amber glow with the dark blue. And then you've got some neon lights from some of the buildings as well. And it just, it really has this... Um, almost cozy vibe uh my girlfriend did not agree with me she was like that town looks pretty busted and i'm like yeah it's pretty rustic but at the same time i don't know there's something about the lights juxtaposed against those uh the snow and the darkness around it just i don't know it's just kind of cozy and I, and, I, and it also is just kind of not awe-inspiring but i just love some of those establishing shots that are that are really um far zoomed out and you got to kind of get to see the playground of the movie in a way this is the town that you are going to be experiencing this movie within. And also, there's a bit of geography that gets into play because this movie is kind of a survival horror movie. And once the vampires come in, they're kind of under siege, the people that are left behind. And you kind of start to understand the geography of the area. You orient yourself like, oh, the refinery is over on that side and the diners in here and then you're they're held up over here. And I just I love that stuff because personally I love maps and I love orienting myself within uh, geography. I think it's really cool. And so and I love how they did it in the movie so that they're showing you at the beginning, but you don't know exactly how important those things are in, until you get into the movie. And as you do, you kind of have those moments of like, oh, the refinery's over there. Like, they've got to get that way. And when they say we have to get to the refinery, you know what they have to get through in order to get there, which is cool. So in the story, uh, after a while, there's this character, Ben Foster, comes over. Um, ben Foster, who's, I mean, he's been in a million things. He's awesome. Great actor. Glad that he, he's a little weird in this movie. He definitely has a very strange accent that I think uh, you could definitely make fun of. Um, not maybe his best work in that sense. Not He's doing it well, but I think the choice to have that accent is very strange. Um, but anyway, he's kind of playing this Renfield type. You know, he's like the human that is doing the bidding of the vampires in a hopeful exchange that he will eventually turn into one. Um, and so he's kind of coming in as a bit of a harbinger of doom, which is cool. I love when a horror movie has a good harbinger. Um, so yeah, it's really playing on all these notes that I really enjoy on top of kind of providing this this unique premise because once the stuff hits the fan, once it gets real, it's crazy because there is this awesome scene where the vampires finally decide to just go for it. Like they've kind of done everything they can to trap these people in the town and then there's nothing you can do, so they just start rushing into the streets. And once again, kind of like that establishing shot of the whole town, it shows you the micro at first, and as the scene progresses, it starts zooming out, and you get to see kind of the um, the vastness of this attack. You're seeing people on the rooftop, the vampires on the rooftops, jumping from rooftop to rooftop, um, the snowy streets, the people are getting 
uh, tackled and and eaten, and it's it's people were getting dragged underneath the buildings, and uh, you really it, as it zooms out, you just get to see the the act. It's honestly epic. Like once again, it's kind of an action sequence because there's a lot of choreography involved. And if you really put your head into this space, it's really honestly kind of scary because you're it's like wow, these vampires. You don't really get to see this very often, I guess, in in, in movies where vampires really are unleashed and there's tons of them all attacking a town at once and you're really getting to see it like in a in a in a bird's eye view and i just really i really enjoyed that and on top of it all the entire movie just has this late 2000s sheen to it the i guess you would call it the filter that's being used it's the color palette but it's also that filter anyone who has watched these kind of movies or grew up in this time or was alive during this time probably knows what I'm talking about. I would say like I rewatched The Ring not too long ago, and it really showed like that. That was like 2001 or something like that, or 2002. But it shows that like dark green kind of dark filter that's being used. And I think that was kind of started too a little bit earlier in the late 90s with like movies like Fight Club. Um, and and there's a lot of movies within the 2000s that has that that filter to it. And I think after uh, 300 came out in 2006, it, it kind of Zack Snyder kind of changed that filter using that darkness, but also putting like a sheen on top of it. And then I just feel like after 300 came out, there were so many movies that tried to use that filter to kind of give you that same vibe. And this is one of those. But while some people might complain about that, I really like it. I think maybe there's a bit of nostalgia there because I this was like. This movie came out when I was think I was like 14, so it was like perfect for me to enjoy. Um, but so when I look back at those movies, I'm like, oh man, I wish they they could like kind of reuse that. Maybe not in in the same way because it is like looking back, there is a little bit of datedness to it, even though it's nostalgia for me. But I feel like you could use those, especially in the ring. The ring has a is like unironically good. It's not just like using it. It's not overusing that filter. It's not going too far. It's like how like when you edit a picture on Instagram or whatever and you put a filter on it, you don't want to just slide it to 100, which is what I think some of these movies did. Even this movie, you can say, did that. Um, you want to kind of make it a little bit more subtle, take it down to like 25, 30%. That way you get that flare without, or maybe the effect without going too much on it and getting it too muddled. And if you watch the movie, you know what I'm talking about. This kind of sounds a little crazy if you don't know anything about this movie. But if you saw 300, you know you definitely know what I'm talking about because they turned the slider up to like 150 on that filter. So yeah, I just wanted to stop and talk about that because it is, I think, an important aspect of the movie. And I think, honestly, as much as this is also, I think, maybe a little oversaturated when it comes to the filter that it's using, it does give that dark and gritty tone. And I think I would rather have it than not, if that makes sense. Anyway, moving on. So, I mean... The only other part of the story I will talk about is that once the initial vampire attack happens, there's really just like a very small group of people that are living. And this will be mostly our main characters. And that is when this movie turns even more into something that I really enjoy, which is a survival horror film. Now, they're the main group of people are all holed up in this attic that it has a trap door that makes it look like there's not it's just the ceiling. Like if you were in the second floor, you would have no idea that the trap door is there. So it's kind of a perfect place to hide um, so that the vampires can't find you. But the whole point is that now it's like you are trying to live the 30 days, 
which means you need supplies, which means you need to eat because you can't just like hang out in an attic for 30 days. You need to go out and get stuff. And in order to do that, you got danger, danger. So I think that is just a really great, um, once again, going into the premise, but just going into the concept of the movie instead of going out and trying, like it's like a survival movie where you have to hide against uh, enemy combatants like militants or something like that, or against nature, so animals or something like that. In this case, it's it's a group of vampires that are working kind of as a squad, So, which is really honestly pretty creepy and also scary. So whenever they go out to get supplies or they go out to try to save someone or something like that, and that's part of it too, they'll even use... Uh, uh, p- humans that are still alive that they haven't killed yet they'll because they want the vampires are also kind of like in the voyage of the Demeter they're trying to live as well they need the, the blood and they'll get hungry after a while and they kind of honestly they kind of went a little too hard too early and killed most of the inhabitants so now they've really got to get creative in order to get the rest of the inhabitants and get their blood so they'll take like a human that they they've kind of saved and injure them and get them to like go into the street and cry for help as like bait to get the people that are hiding to come out to try to help them using their um, empathy against them, which is super sinister and honestly really creepy. And it kind of gives you that tension of like, Oh, should they do it? Should they not? And of course you're yelling like, don't do it. But at the same time, you're like, man, what about this person? They're just walking around. But at the same time, they're kind of like a walking corpse because you know the vampires are watching them and they'll kill her as soon as she's done being useful. So anyway, um, I just love that idea that they are stuck in the attic and they've got to be creative about how they want to not just like outsmart the vampires, but also just survive because truly all they had to do is wait for the next sunrise and then they can try to figure they have some time to figure out where to like what they need to do. But the problem is, obviously, they're not going to get that for 30 days. It's going to be dark. And I just love to, because the movie also does like day four, day 20, you know, it kind of gives you a a time stamp for how long this stuff is going on. Because at some point they run out of supplies and they got to go to the grocery store and that has a whole scene in it. And it's just really cool. I just love how they have to kind of band together in order to overcome these obstacles. It's a survival horror movie based within a vampire premise and i just think it's ingenious and honestly it's just an incredible incredible film because of that and the way that they do it is is well done as well because there are there's like a scene where they're in the attic and uh one of the vampires is like crawling on this on the roof and it's very scary because you can't make a noise and meanwhile they've got an old man one of the fathers of one of the characters who's got, who's like got like alzheimer's and doesn't know where he is and so he is not thinking rationally. So he might just go, what are we doing? Like at any moment, he can just like start popping off and start talking because he doesn't understand the concept of what's going on. And that just creates even more tension. And then like I was talking about earlier, you got this whole emotional situation going on between Josh Hartnett and Melissa George and then Josh Hartnett's younger brother that's kind of like his son is there and he feels like he needs to take care of him. And so there's just, you know, they've got the classic kind of stories going on within. And I think they're, it's a little bit more effective than some others. Like it's not, I would even like this movie if some of those emotional, like the kind of narrative, but then the character, the character narratives were a little yikesy. Like I would still enjoy this movie, but I think they're still interesting and that's cool too. So there's like an emotional aspect to this as well. A little bit of a love story, you know. Um, and then there's a character, uh, I think in the movie he's called, uh, Bo Brower. 
and he's this kind of the reason they say a line in the movie when they first meet him because uh, Josh Hartnett is trying to give him a ticket and the guy is like a total loner like lives out on the edge of this town and this town is like on the edge of society and the whole point of him being out there is because he's kind of this libertarian like don't mess with me kind of person he's not bad he's just you know grumbly and wants to live on his own and wants people to leave him alone um but anyway he gets kind of sucked up into these people in the attic and at one point he does this and it's not like a big spoiler okay like I'm not going to tell you the end of the movie. And also, this movie's from 2007, so come on. Um, but there's the scene is just too good to talk about for me not to uh, mention it. But he has this moment where he's causing a distraction. It's so classic. Causing a distraction in order to, for the people to get to the grocery store. And in doing so, he gets inside of this bulldozer that has a giant chainsaw at the front of it. Like a massive chainsaw, and then he's got a shotgun in one hand, and he's driving with the other, and he's got like Molotov cocktails. I think I could be wrong about that one, but the point is that this awesome action sequence where he is going through the streets, he's pulling all these vampires, but he's also like kicking butt, man. Like he is like shooting their heads off with the shotgun. He's chainsawing them or knocking them onto the chainsaw and moving it around. I mean, and it's a long scene, and it's like really well choreographed, like. This dude is doing some serious damage and rewatching this movie. I was just like clapping at how amazing this sequence is. Honestly, in, in a movie that I already really enjoyed, it just made it that much better. I just really was just like, wow, I cannot believe that I forgot that a scene like this exists. My only problem with the scene is that it ends a little too soon. I know I said that it was long, but it seemed like he could keep going. But maybe he ran out of shotgun bullets. I'm not sure. But he was trying to create a distraction, so he, he goes into uh, one of the buildings with the, he like crashes into one of the buildings with a bulldozer and then lights like a whole thing of dynamite, like a whole box of dynamite and explodes it. And it really doesn't kill that many vampires. So I'm like, man, you could have just kept going. I don't know. But I guess he just didn't want to be vampire food. I'm not sure. Regardless, that is like a movie making scene. Like that made the whole film for me. And I already really enjoyed it. So it's going to get high marks from me. Um, with that being said, I'm going to give this, I was going to give it an 8 out of 10, but after talking about this, uh, even I'm going to change it right here on the fly. I'm going to give it an 8.5 because uh, even though I'm sure that you could probably point out some problems with this movie, like I said, that the filter is probably hit or miss depending on who you are. The acting from Ben Foster is weird. Um, yeah, Melissa George has like a weird accent. I don't, I don't know enough about what she, where she comes from or why she has that accent, but I know it's not a natural accent for her. So I think that was a little strange. You could nitpick at things, but honestly, you're just not going to find another movie that's going to scratch the kind of itch that this movie scratches. It's a horror action film. It's a survival film. It takes place in Alaska, so it's got a snowy setting, a remote snowy setting. You've got vampires being very active and actually being monstrous and attacking. There's a lot of action in the movie, and I don't mean that in the sense of like Arnold Schwarzenegger action. I mean like they are being active, and when a lot of movies, vampires are not super active, so I, I really enjoy just seeing vampires doing things. So as vampires go and as vampire movies go, this one is top for me. And, you know, like the last movie I did, uh, Nosferatu the Vampire, that is, that's how you do the Dracula story. You can definitely, there's a time and a place for that kind of slower vampire, more conceptual thing going on. And I think that a movie like uh, Herzog's 
Nosferatu is a really good way to do that. It's done well, and I appreciated it. I really enjoyed it. Um, but I, I personally just, just like kind of with the werewolves, I just love to see a more action-based version. Um, I think it's because you, you always see the vampire movies that are like more like Dracula, or you always see the werewolf movies that are more like the Wolfman. And so I just like kind of want to see more werewolf vampire action. And this movie really scratches that itch. And on top of that, it's just a great film. So yeah, that's it for this week. 8.5 out of 10. Can't complain about that. And I'm going to say that I'm sad that the vampire movies are over. You know, last year I did a vampire theme. And I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. But I did Fright Night. I did Lost Boys. And then I did Near Dark. Now, those are all cult classics. And I just didn't really enjoy them that much. And I'm sorry. The Lost Boys was probably the best out of the three. That one, I think I could maybe go higher after watching again. But my problem with that movie, just like some of the others, is the vampire action itself is just not very great. Now, Fright Night had a lot of good moments, like when the uh, Renfield kind of character like dissolves into a skeleton and green goop. That's awesome. There were some good moments, practical effects and stuff like that. But I just they just weren't doing it for me, honestly, on the vampire front. And, you know, this year on this vampire theme that I did, I really enjoyed it. I think the lowest I made was Demeter, and that was a 7 out of 10. And I think I don't think any of the ones last year made it to the 7. They were all in the 6s. So, uh, yeah, and then we had an 8 last week and then an 8.5 today. I'm loving it. I, I love that we can get into some vampire movies that I enjoy. Um, and then maybe next year we'll do another vampire thing. At some point we'll do another vampire theme and see if we can find some more good vampire movies so that's it for this week next week okay so i still am on the edge of deciding but the napoleon movie is coming out on thanksgiving and i have been listening slash reading uh this really long napoleon biography in preparation and napoleon I mean, military history is just very interesting to me anyway it's like kind of like i'm going to school right now and that's kind of what i'm going to school for um, so I was thinking just kind of like with the Oppenheimer movie of doing a theme that's kind of centered around this new movie that's coming out. So I'm very excited for the Napoleon movie. So I'm going to try to maybe, and this is, I might say no to this, but I, I'm thinking I'm going to go for it where the next theme is going to be about generals. So it's going to be movies that, um, focus around military generals. Um, I won't say what those movies are yet, but one of them will definitely be Napoleon. And that will probably serve as a pretty good palate cleanser for those who don't like horror movies that much and are tired of hearing me talk about horror films. So we're going to get into military history. So hopefully you like that, guys. <laughs> anyway, so that's it for this week. And I hope you guys have a good week. And I will see you next Friday.